This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. Hi, I'm David, a school founder and CEO, a mindfulness teacher, and leadership coach. This is a podcast for paradigm shifters just like you, ready to reignite the flames of passion that drew you into education in the first place. You're ready to live and flow, lead with love, and be the fullest version of the change maker you always dreamed of. Then join me as I break down the mindfulness, leadership, and life teachings that have completely changed my life, while also speaking with guests whose wisdom have inspired new ideas and transformation across the globe. Join me on the journey of becoming a mindful education warrior. Welcome, everyone. Super excited today to have Lindsay Cobalt on the show. She's the Director of Counseling and Community Wellbeing at her school in Kansas City, Missouri. And Lindsay is passionate about advocating for well-being initiatives in school systems. You're going to hear about this in our conversation And when the challenges of parenting, being an educator, and striving for excellence became too overwhelming, Lindsay found her way to mindfulness practices for both herself and her students. And I know a lot of us can relate to this and her story. Today, we're going to talk about letting go of perfection and the pressure to always be available to everyone at every moment, right? We all know how we are as givers. And exploring strategies to release the burden of constantly striving for perfection. We're going to talk about the importance of consistency and patience in mindfulness practices. I think Lindsay has a great point of view on this and really understanding that this journey takes time and patience and consistency to really bring these practices into your daily life. And navigating your inner critic. You're going to hear Lindsay talk about how she deals with the inner critic and how she uses mindfulness practices to overcome self-doubt. And finally, how to approach each day with love and curiosity and learning how to meet the day with a sense of curiosity and seeing it as an opportunity for growth and learning. Hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks, everyone. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited today to be here with Lindsay. Lindsay, how are you doing today? I'm great, David. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be with you. And we both have like 80 degree weather today. So I think we're going to have a great conversation. (laughs) Yeah. The weather always helps when it's good. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. So I'd love to just start by, you know, kind of getting to learn a little bit more about you and kind of understanding your journey with mindfulness and becoming a counselor. Yeah. Great. I'd love to share that story. Um, I'm a person who's just been drawn to children since I was young. Um, I was an only child and I sought out younger kids often. I liked that role of being the bigger kid and caring for younger kids. Yeah. Um, and so I'd always knew that I wanted a career 
with children. Um, and I actually started as an education major and really was connecting more with my sociology classes. And so I, I went that route um, and did a health and um, wellness minor along with that. And oh, cool. kind of <laughs> found myself really gravitating toward mental health through that work and went into graduate school pursuing a mental health degree and found my way back to education and kids as a school counselor. And so um, that was a really kind of roundabout way to get right back to where I thought I would be in the first place, which was in schools, uh, but in a very different angle, uh, working with kids as a school counselor. And um, part of that process was uh, when you're doing your graduate degree in counseling, my program had us go to counseling ourselves and be in the client side of that. Um, and I'll never forget the counselor that I saw. She said, now, if you're going to go into this profession, you're going to have to get much thicker skin. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> and so that was kind of my first real experience with taking care of myself mm-hmm. and how I show up and like what I do for me and how I work on myself, having an impact on my work. And of course, I really resented her. At the moment, and I was course, so sad yeah. that she would say that to me. And I thought, that's not a very counselor thing to say. Right, right. Um, but I really thank her, you know, now in, in hindsight, because she was right that how I show up at work is going to influence my work. It's going to influence the people around me. And, you know, you just realize working in education that a lot of people are pulling on you all of the time. And you're being, you're giving, giving, giving. Yep. Uh, and so that was kind of ultimately what led me to start exploring mindfulness. Okay. Oh, so tell us all about that. I want to hear this. Yeah. Well, so funny enough, as most educators, um, I came to mindfulness first by learning about it for my students. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's an easier in for a lot of educators because we feel like, um, Sometimes taking care of ourselves is not taking care of our, our students. There's a lot of like guilt and um, all kinds of things wrapped up in putting our work aside to do something for us when our job is to give to others. And um, so I was really fortunate. We have a, a mindfulness coach at our school who had just kind of started working in our preschool classes very organically. And uh, I thought, yeah, I need to learn more about, you know, mindfulness. And I started learning about meditation a little bit. And, you know, the universe works in funny ways. My husband came home from work at one point and was talking about the speaker that they'd had who'd been talking to them about meditation. Um, And I was coming home from work very stressed. Yeah. And he was like, maybe you should try this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but I was really, it was perfect timing. And I was like, yeah, actually, I've kind of been thinking about this for myself as well. Um, but still wasn't feeling like I could really do that for myself. I had two small kids. I was, you know, trying to give everything to my job. And um, so I started learning about it for my students. And just, you know, again, going through that awareness building of what building new uh, systems in your body and training your body to slow down and, and to be present and how that really impacts everything around you. I would I would practice a little bit with my students. We would do some meditations and 
um, largely just one-on-one with students who seemed open to it. Yeah. And I was finding that I would leave those sessions with students feeling much better myself right, as right. well. Um, and so I, I came across um, one of the apps, you know, and I don't, do I say names of apps? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So the Calm app was actually um, right around the pandemic. They offered it free to educators. Right. Okay. And so I was able to try that. Um, and I loved it. It was so helpful. Um, it was a great tool and I still use it every morning to this day. Um, and that's just part of my morning routine. Cause I think honestly, that was the hardest part for me was once I wanted to start using it for myself, figuring out how to make it a part of my day and a right. part of my practice. Right. Yeah. Okay. So much good juicy information. So one of the things I wanted to say is that I'm really seeing that, this is a through line that I've heard in a lot of my stories from my guests is that they started practicing mindfulness for themselves because they were teaching it to their kids. Mm -hmm. So as you said, like you felt like it seemed like, Oh, well I'm, I'm learning about through them and now I'll try it for myself. And it would be really nice to do it the other way around. Right. (laughs) Which is one of the reasons I started the podcast. So that saying this, I feel like I say this in every guest I interview, we have this conversation, but it's like, taking care of yourself actually makes you a better educator and makes you better for your kids. But we've been so brainwashed to believe that we have to give, 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 and give some more. Yep. And we're allowed to take care of ourselves. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that common experience. Um, but I'm a big proponent of it starts with adults. Uh, yeah. you know, I think when, when, we practice as adults, that is almost the intervention for students because they feel it from us. They feel that we're coming into a space well-regulated, that we can kind of sit in an uncomfortable moment with them. We don't feel as much pressure, I think, to have all the answers, which is another huge burden that I think sometimes can land on educators' shoulders unintentionally or maybe intentionally that they have to know what to do about everything that shows up in their room. Yes. Um, mindfulness has really helped me be okay with, I don't, I don't have to have all of the answers for everything that shows up. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting because as I was going to share a story, you know, we do a social emotional learning circle at my school and we actually started it with the teachers before. So it's the school's now in its eighth year, but when the first year when it opened, we did this circle program with the teachers only. And I got so much pushback. Because they're like, well, we, we want to do it with our kids. And I'm like, well, would you want to go and teach calculus before you took a class in calculus? Like, it's just right. to me that we would say, we're going to go teach mindfulness to kids when we don't have a practice ourselves. So it's like, my theory was, okay, if, if the teachers really own and believe in this circle, then they're going to believe in it. I mean, sorry, if they're doing it, then they'll believe in it, right? And they'll do it with more fidelity. And what ended up happening was we ended up doing a certification for this program and we always have the highest investment score. So they do all this data and yeah. we're always 97%. Like every adult who runs a circle, basically everybody but one person, right? Like who's that one person? Yeah. 97% who's like, we're fully invested in the circle because we spent so much time getting the adults invested before we started doing it with the kids. So amazing. Well, and I think you can almost cause harm to a practice if you have teachers who aren't invested that are right. delivering it 
because our kids are intuitive beings. Yes, and they, they are. That from an adult a mile away. Like, oh, a mile away. Yeah. Yes, this teacher does not believe in this. They can pick it up, even if you never say that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the other part of your story that I found really fascinating is that, you know, so you started seeing kind of people doing uh, the working, doing the mindfulness on your one-to-one sessions. Then you're like, I got to try this for myself. And then you notice, oh, and then you use the Calm app. I wanted yeah. to actually follow up with kind of, because I think what happens is people that are listening are probably thinking the same thing you were thinking, which is I'm a busy educator. I have all these kids in my classroom or I have all these, you know, counseling students coming in out of the office. Like, where am I going to find the time? And so I think that's like always the number one obstacle, which is why I told you before we hit recording, I always talk about the janitor closet, but I do have a different examples. Now I have some new ones for my listeners. I also have meditated in an airport bathroom. I have meditated in the middle of the airport. I have meditated on an airplane. I have meditated, you know, so it's like I have meditated in when I've had a really difficult parent meeting, I've said, Oh, I'm sorry. Just sorry, I turned, I have to run something really quickly. I'll be right back. And I just literally go sit in the stall, close the door, and just take two minutes to breathe, right? Mm-hmm. And just to get myself back to where I'm not going to be rude and go down to kind of their level of anger. And so I'd love to just kind of hear you using the Calm app. You know, how are you getting, how are you incorporating this into your daily life? Yeah. So I found for me, um, I'm a morning person anyway. And I like to wake up before my kids get up and have some time that's just mine in the morning. And so I just really shifted a few things around in my routine where I could build some of that time in my, in my morning as, as my meditation time. I also have found that the longer I do it, the quicker a meditation practice can bring me that centering feeling. So I would say that to people who are just getting started, like stick with it because you can, it will become a quicker practice for you when you need it to be because your brain and your body will get intuitive. They'll say, oh, I know what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> we're disengaging from the stress cycle yeah. and we're, we're getting to a better place and it can get there faster. Um, but, you know, I even too will find pockets of my day. If I, Same thing as you. If I know there's something coming up in my calendar that I need to be on my A game for, yeah. I'll carve out time in my calendar before then, even you know, a five or 10 minute window where I'm going to shut my door. I'm going to walk outside for a moment, um, whatever it might be to give myself a few minutes um, just to get, get my, my breathing slowed down, pay attention to how I'm holding my body or my shoulders up and my ears. (laughs) Um, You know, just really, and I find that I, those meetings are more productive. Yes, absolutely. I walk out of there feeling like I built a partnership with someone or, you know, um, I was able to bring someone maybe who comes in very escalated down. Um, It's it's been such worthwhile time. So it might be hard to make those 10 minutes happen, but you get it back in spades because now I'm not having to, you know talk to my principal about how this meeting went south and right. it's not right. And I need to let you know. Yes. <laughs> like I, I get the time back, you know? Um, and uh, I just, I feel like I can be more at peace as well with drawing other boundaries. You know, it's, it's like a stair step to other boundaries to, to saying to myself, I actually don't need to get on my email this evening. Yes. Home. 
Oh my gosh. No, that's so smart. I think what you're bringing up, and this is what I teach. So I do mindfulness programs for educators. I don't do it for kids. I probably will at some point, but for educators, and I always start with them and just say, the first thing we're going to do is basically be aware of like where you are. Yes. Are you, you know, what, what's your, and then I do a really simple, just like, what are you feeling? What do you need? And it's, I'm like, just do that for a week. And then when I see you next week, tell me what you've learned. And what you're sharing is that it starts to be, you start to build that muscle of awareness, mm-hmm. start to see like, oh, just by doing, and what I have found is by doing the 10 minutes of meditation in the morning, I actually am not a morning person. So I'm, I want people to hear this, you know, cause everyone's like, you're just meditate in the morning. And then for years, I just couldn't do it in the morning. Cause I'm like falling asleep or I'm just, I just don't want to do it in the morning. I'm grumpy. Right. And so <laughs> I'm still grumpy in the morning <laughs> but been since I was a kid, but anyway, but then I will find, you know, I'll do it like 10 AM, which is, you know, later in the morning, or I will do it. You know, I'll just find different times throughout the day. What I was going to say though, is that I find the time that works for me, right. What's best for you. And like you said, you build that habit. And now when I go throughout my day, it's almost like I've switched the default from stressed out to more of a calm meditative space. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, another thing that I wish I had kind of understood earlier on is that I still benefit from a meditation practice if I feel distracted yes. in that time. You know, I, I was talking with some friends actually about a couple of weeks ago and they mentioned trying to meditate and how like, I just can't do it. I keep thinking yeah. about to-do list or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. that's it. You know, it's noticing, huh. Yeah. I keep thinking about my to-do list, you know, and it's that building awareness. And if you can get past the, like being tough on yourself about how you're meditating and just accept that whatever's coming up for you during that practice time is what's coming up for you. It's really freeing. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's, I love that. And one of my favorite teachers that I follow, I think I talk about him every podcast. His name is Michael Beckwith. He's the minister at Agape International Spiritual Center in Los Angeles, but he has a online, you know, you can watch online and he's a weekly meditation on Sunday mornings. Mm. And he regularly says the number one, most important thing is to not to label your meditation as good or bad. Right. Because it's just ironic. It's like what we do in the West, right? We have to evaluate and say that meditation was bad. And it's like, every time you do that, you're going to judge yourself. And it's like you said, it's the complete opposite of the point of meditation. It's just like, observe what you're feeling and there's Mm -hmm. no good or bad and you're just feeling it. And every meditation is different. Right. And so you're never, it's never going to be the same. You know, sometimes I know this happens to you, but sometimes I'll have all these like epiphanies and insights and a really good meditation. And then the next day I'll be like, Oh, all I could do is think about that report I have to do, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, that same thing that that's kind of almost what helps me separate sometimes in the evenings when I know I need, and I need to step away from work. I need to focus on my family or give myself some me time. And I'm having some guilt around that is I just go right back to that same practice. Like, because I feel like I should be doing it this way or that way. Right. Doesn't mean that I should. And, right. you know, same thing with, with a meditation practice. Like I might be thinking, gosh, I'm really not doing this very good today. Right. It's, it's all relative, you know, it's, it's, there's a flip side to that coin. Like, but I am, I am doing it and I am being aware of yes. and I am leaning in and paying attention and just the same, you know, if I, if I turn off my work for the day as I'm leaving the building, yeah. what am I turning my attention to? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I love, I love what you said about how, you know, as you get the, you get the meditation, you do the meditation in the morning and you get it back in the 10 minutes in spades, because you said, you know, like I'm, I'm not as stressed or I'm not going to go and like run to my computer or do five more emails. And it's, so it starts to bring more 
peace and calm to your day. And it sounds like also for you, what I heard is that, you know, when you're going to have, you're going to have one of those meetings or something like that, you are able to kind of like shift. But I also like to teach the art of, you know, the art of what I call the art of, art of the shift, meaning yeah. that you can be aware of where you are and then you start to develop tools to shift yourself. So, you know, my joke about going to the bathroom during a tough meeting or you <laughs> getting ready for a meeting by taking some deep breaths or whatever, or kind of, you know, getting yourself centered again. And then, like you said, it saves the time of not having to talk about all the problems that went. You're just, you're creating more peace and calm in your life by following these practices in general. It's so true. It's so true. You know, and it, um, I think, I don't know where I want to go with that, (laughs) but yeah, no, I just agree. I think it's, um, it's really powerful. It goes beyond that practice. It starts to show up in every, every part of your day, every part of how you interact with others. And, you know, I'll catch myself now, like for me, it's my neck and shoulders and, and I just can feel them like creeping up. And I don't, I don't think I used to feel that in my body before and I'll feel it. And it's just a sign to me like, Ooh, I need to even just pause and do some shoulder rolls or neck rolls and, you know, just that awareness. I have so much stronger awareness of, I think, how I'm showing up physically and emotionally in spaces now. Yeah. So what advice would you have for teachers, you know, that are really stressed out or coming up on the end of the year and it's been like a horrific three years for most of us in schools. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone would disagree with that. And what, you know, what advice would you have for them? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that summer's kind of a cool time to play around with new routines and new things. Yes. So, you know, it's a great time to figure out what time of day does work for me to build some kind of practice in for myself um, and to experiment with what those practices could be. So mindfulness can be a lot of things. We often think of meditation, but it can be a mindful walk. It can be uh, mindful listening, you know, it can be uh, mindful eating even. Um, all of those things help bring awareness to the present moment and help us regulate and get back to our center. And so maybe even just experimenting with different different things that bring you that anchor, that sense of self, different practitioners. You know, there's all kinds of people out there that have great um, mindfulness programs and apps that you can listen to. And so I would say if you're curious, experiment with it in the summer, perhaps find a, a, a something that feels good and a fit to you and start thinking about how do I start day one of next school year with this practice in place, knowing that, you know, best laid plans, they get in the way. And so, you know, being kind to yourself when it maybe doesn't go according to plan and and just keep keep at it. You know, it, it, did, it took me, I would say it was like, you know, from that very first time that I thought, yeah, maybe I need to figure this out. It was probably a year and a half, really. Starting it, going, that's not working, going away from it, and then coming back to it again, thinking, well, no, I think I need to keep trying this, you know, until I found that what I needed to do was give myself 10 minutes every morning. Um, And now, and since then, I've built it in even more times during my school day. But, you know, just being patient and being kind to yourself is well, part of the gig that sounds so easy and is so hard to do. <laughs> so hard, I know. And as you were talking, I was thinking about 
I actually bought a meditation book when I was in college and I didn't start meditating until like, I think 25 years later or something like that. So it could take 25 years <laughs> to finally start actually doing it. And, you know, I, I also was thinking about my wife would always make fun of me when I was a teacher because, you know, I'd work so hard and then it'd be the summer and I'd just be like relaxing and I'd like go to the gym like every day and play basketball, do all the things I never, I never had time to do during the school year. And then I have this very logical schedule for like when the school year started back, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. And then she's like, by the third week, you've already like stopped going to the gym. And she'd always kind of make fun of me for my, for the fact that every year I would say, okay, this is the year that I'm going to follow my like fall plan. And I'm saying this because I imagine some teachers are like, well, I could get it done during the summer but then the school year is going to come and I'm going to be back in the craziness. But what I would add, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is that, you know, it is like building a muscle, like you said, just kind of getting used to it and building the habit. So if you could build the muscle during the summer, maybe do it every day for 10, 20 minutes or you know, mm-hmm. longer times, you know, because you have more free time. And then when the school year comes, then you start to think like, how can I stay disciplined to do five minutes every morning or five minutes at lunch or whatever? Yeah. Well, I would say it is a little bit of discipline for sure, you know, recognizing and remembering what, why is this going to matter? What is this giving me back? What do I, you know, what am I gaining from this time? But then it's, it's that self-compassion piece when you do get off track, because I think one of the hardest things that we struggle with is this conversation around boundaries is because they're hard to hold. And so we do let our boundaries go sometimes and Maybe we do start working from home more than we want to, or, you know, we say yes to a project that we shouldn't have. And then kind of our tendency can be like, oh, I already let that go. I might as well, you know, and it's, that's a huge thing that mindfulness has taught me is like, I can always stop and start again. Maybe I, maybe I didn't hold that boundary very well this week or this month or whatever it's been. Let me, let me go back to it. Let me try it again. And um, even still, are there mornings that I don't meditate? Sure. There are, there are days that I'm like, "Mm, I think I'm going to get 10 more minutes of sleep. Yeah. Feel differently. Whatever it is. Exactly. Do you feel differently though, when you miss the morning? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Uh, Because, you know, it, it's something that I do enough that I think I've (laughs) that built up pretty good, yes, yes. You know? but I think if it's a really stressful time for me and I don't do that 10 minutes, I will feel it yes. quicker than a, than a slower week where I, where I don't. Um, yeah. 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 And I love what you brought up. You brought this up a couple of times, just like really having self-compassion and mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with, I think it's Kristen Neff. I think yeah. she's doing a lot of work in schools, right? Yeah. So do you, do you work with her in your school or do you know about her? Um, I haven't had a chance to work with her, but I have definitely followed her work. Um, and I think she's a game changer for educators because we are, we, it's up to us. Like we have to be compassionate with ourselves. No one else can offer us self-compassion, exactly. but it's not a skill we're taught. Yeah. You know, it's not something that people talk with us about a lot and it's really hard. It can feel selfish. Mm-hmm. And that's the roadblock for a lot of folks, just like me caring for myself when I first started doing it felt fish, yeah. but it really is such a key to 
showing up more authentically, being more present. I'm less distracted during the day. That is not to say I'm never distracted. Oh, yeah. But it's less often, you know, and when I am, I am not tough on myself about it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, what is that telling me? I get curious, like distracted today. And um, it just it just changes things, Um, you know, reminding myself I'm only one person in this whole cog of the school system. And I don't have to be everything to everyone all day long. Um, And that's not realistic. And that's okay. And no, no one's actually expecting that of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was going to ask you, like, what are some of your self-compassion practices, but you just listened to, uh, listed a couple there. Like you said that you start to, um, that, oh, the way you talk to yourself mm-hmm. and also noticing when, you know, that you don't have to do everything. So yeah. What are some of the practices that you use? Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm a, I go to a therapist because I just value that yeah. Time to think and reflect. And she is really helpful to me in building that self-compassion. I'm uh it's been a lifelong struggle for me. I've always been a really tough self-critic, which I think a lot of us are. Oh, yeah. Um and uh you know, learning to believe the compliments and the praise that I do get you know, just really accepting that and saying, okay, someone is really telling me this because it's true. Um, and, and letting that be was actually very difficult for me. So I'm getting better at that. Um, but like caring for my, myself, if I feel tired, I listen to that. It's, it's, there are of course times I have to push through because of X, Y, Z, but if I can, if I can say, you know what, my body's saying it's tired tonight. I'm going to just, rest. I I feel like that's very self-compassionate or, um, you know, uh, journaling and reflecting and and gratitude practices. They all kind of work together. There's, there's no one thing that I've done that that's it, you know, but like you said, it's a list of practices and things that you, that you do with intention. Um, But that being said, <laughs> starting somewhere with one thing first, you know, not trying yes. to all the things. Yeah, just maybe some turtle steps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I heard you say, you know, when something goes wrong or you, you know, you use curiosity instead of judgment. And I feel like that. So what you're sharing there is you're bringing awareness to what's going on. And then you're saying like, oh, I'm not going to judge myself or beat myself up. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of like managing your thoughts too. So if your thoughts start to say all these mean things to yourself, then you're able to be like, wait, let's just bring some curiosity instead of the judgment. And it kind of shifts your whole nervous system and the way you feel and like your shoulders and everything, right? Oh, hundred percent. I feel it immediately, it physically, you know, and, and I do, I still go to that critical spot and I catch it. I just catch it earlier and quicker now. Um, and it is, it's a whole emotional and physical shift that I feel. And I'm like, you know, I'm human being and, you know, it's okay to feel like I'm not doing enough, but it doesn't mean that I'm not doing enough. Yeah. So I'm so curious about how you, so your role at the school, do you work with adults and kids? Yeah, I do now. So, um, I am in, uh, kind of a dual role where I office in our early childhood building and I serve as their 
school counselor, and then I'm the director of counseling and, and community well-being for our school as well, which puts me kind of looking at the 30,000 foot view of all of our counseling and wellness programming, including our SEL, and supporting adults in engaging in that work for themselves and for their students, um, which is, it's a brand new role. So we're figuring oh, it out as we go, but it's been tremendously rewarding. Well, the reason I asked you about it is because as I was digging in on finding people to interview for the podcast, I noticed that a lot of people, I'm like, oh, they seem super cool, but they're typically doing work with kids, yeah. which is great. And you can glean a lot of amazing lessons for adults. But I was really interested in talking to people that are actually doing work or at least starting to do work with adults. And I think the role that you have, every school in America needs to have in their school, right? For adults and for the kids. But we, we all talk about the kids and obviously it's a, it's a huge problem, right? Like we've really, everyone suffered from, from this pandemic and the kids, especially, we know this as educators, mm-hmm. but like the adults are also really struggling. They are. And so I think it's really important that we're also talking about to our original point, you know, how do we, how do we help the adults so that they're showing up whole and more full for the kids that they're serving? Exactly. Yeah. I, it's, it's certainly a goal for us to get to a place where we where our adults are saying, I feel very cared for in my school. I feel very supported. I feel like I have tools and resources to take care of myself. Does that, I mean, ultimately that impacts the children, you yeah. know, and turnover is high in education right now. And so it's, I mean, it's almost a little bit like good for, for us to, to, to keep our adults and keep our people. Yeah. Here. But really, you know, our work is hard work. It is doing work, and I know I don't need to say that (laughs) to this audience, Um, but sometimes it's great to be validated that what you do is hard. It takes tremendous emotional and mental energy all day long. I I don't remember what the statistic is, but there's some statistic out there about the number of decisions an educator makes oh, it a day. Only imagine. Yeah. Astounding, you know? <laughs> yeah. And these are like important decisions and like sometimes really quickly about like young people's lives, you know? Exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and just in the moment, you know, how many times we have to pivot and react and respond. And we only can do that for so long without refueling before we're going to start handling it maybe how we didn't want to or yep. shutting down and not handling it <laughs> or... Um, you know, starting to point blame on others because we've run out of our, our reserves and our resources. And it's, it's critical for educators and the education field to be looking at the care of the adults in the schools. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, we just reached a point where, you know, like you said, there's a high turnover and there needs to be a focus on this. And like you said before, like you're not really taught self-compassion or, I actually went back to my graduate school to do a talk on mindfulness meditation. And I was scared to death because it's Stanford university. So I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Like this is literally like the intellectual, you know, like it's, 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 it's a known entity for intellectualism. And so, but I went back and I was like, I'm doing it. And it got really good reviews. And this was like, you know, last summer. So it was during or or last like six months ago. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, well-received because people are like, there's a total crisis and we can't think our way out of it. We can't go back and do, you know, a research study on this. I mean, of course that helps, but like we actually come have to come back to our hearts and open up, you know, our emotions and really get clear with like what we've just experienced and the PTSD we've had and, 
and they were like really curious and oh. really <laughs> and the director of the program was like we need you to come back this is the point I was trying to make we need you to come back to the school with all of our new teachers and training mm-hmm. during orientation and it made me realize that in my whole year it was like a 12 month intensive masters my whole year there I did not ever have anybody say like hey teaching's a really hard profession they did say it in some ways but they didn't say so please take care of yourself you know, they probably said it, but the point is they didn't give me any tools. Like they probably, I, you know, I heard a lot of the, you know, don't coach basketball in the first year. It's a hard job. First year is <laughs> really hard, you know, that kind of stuff. But they never said like, oh, and by the way, we're going to teach you about, you know, how to set boundaries. And we're going to teach you how to not have negative thoughts. And we're going to teach you how to love yourself and, you know, mm-hmm. believe in yourself and not judge yourself and all these things. And it's like, that should be the whole entire year long course about how to go into education because you're spending the whole day with these kids, like all these humans, little humans and adult humans that are just full of needs. And mm-hmm. if you don't know how to take care of your own self, there's no way you're going to make it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we think of like grit and resilience as like, go, 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 yeah. and keep charging no matter what. And the missing piece to that is what you have to do to be able to keep going forward, persisting, exactly. and you know, I think we just, it's kind of like a missed opportunity when we're thinking about that for educators, because they are, they are going all day. Oh, all the time. All yeah. The time. I remember just like, yeah, just trying to get lunch. And, you know, anyway, it's like, you're just shoving in your face. Yeah. And so what kind of things are you doing at your school? Have you started doing things with adults yet? Or are you still in process? Yeah. So we have, um, we are working with our adults to get them opportunities to engage with things like um, a mindful self-compassion course or um, mindful communication courses. Um, And then we're also working with our um, mindfulness coach to, you know, she does some some work with our adults uh, at meetings and different places. Um, She'll she'll come in and she'll say, here's a tool for you and here's a tool for your students. Um, so adults can kind of come at that wherever they're comfortable with, or maybe they don't even use either tool, but eventually kind of what happens is, you know, you start hearing some buzz about like, oh, I've been doing this and it's really been helping. Um, we're trying to open meetings, more, more connective relationship building strategies, you know, saying like, what, what's something that's been happening in your world that you're bringing into this meeting with you right now that might yes. might make it hard to be present in the meeting, checking on each other more often. Yes. We actually did this really great activity as our administrative team that we're, we're thinking about expanding um, out and it's called a user manual. And I wish I could remember the name of the, the guy who is based off of his work. Um, but we we filled out this survey and it was, you know, how do I show up when um, things are going really well? What might you notice about me when I'm in high stress? How do I like to receive praise? How do I like to receive constructive feedback? You know, what's the best way to reach me during the day? Um, and it was really, really powerful activity for us to do as administrators. Um just to bring in that human element of how we work and how we show up and, you know, what, what I want people to do for me when I'm overwhelmed at work and what I don't want people to do for me. Um, You know, and we're really trying as an administrative team to live these things and model these things ourselves before we're asking our other faculty. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's, I love that so much. And I, I actually do leadership trainings for like all, you know, schools and corporate, you know, corporate organizations. And I always just start with emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. So I loved it when you said your husband's um, organization was also doing meditation. I was like, Oh, I wonder which, if that's a company. And I was curious <laughs> about that, but, but it's, I always start there because I feel like then you can just break it with emotional intelligence. And before you start talking about mindfulness and stuff like that, because sometimes people are, are turned off by that, but you really break it down to, you know, what are some simple practices? Like you said, the user manual, user manual activity. It's like really knowing yourself and knowing how you are affect, you know, leadership is like knowing yourself and how you affect others, right. And how you influence others and how you impact others. And so, but I love all those different ideas you have with the, for the adults. And like I said, I wish every school in America would do this. So hopefully we were joking before about getting, you know, millions of subscribers on YouTube. So as the millions of people come on, maybe they'll start listening to us and they'll have it all over yeah. schools in America. Well, and I think it's remembering that, it, you know, one of the things that stops us so much is, well, how much time do we need to do that? And how much money would that cost? And, you know, there's things that we can do that don't take a lot of time and yeah. don't cost a lot of money, but have big impact and not being afraid to lean into those as a starting place, you know, um, yeah. like we, uh, we've started a few whole school meetings this year with a mood meter. Oh, nice. And we just took the big, you know, post-it papers and made paper mood meters and put markers out. And we just invited teachers and, and staff as they came in to put an X on the mood meter with where they That's were, today, you know, and just bringing some of that to us. Like, how do you feel? It's valid for you to feel however you feel like you don't even have to come into this media. You know, there's even that pressure to like show up and, and be happy when you're not feeling happy. You know, that's not real. Like, how are you really doing today? And um, what do you need? No, it's so wonderful. And, you know, with that circle, I was telling you about that we do with the adults at the school. Now we do it with the kids too, but it's very like, rigorous and structured. And the first thing is to check in on like, you know, what's your emotion? Well, actually the first thing is a two minute, we call it true North instead of meditation, but it's two minute meditation. And we start every meeting with that, right. To your point so that you can kind of get clear on like, where am I? And then you share your feelings quickly around the circle. So, and any feelings valid, right. But I feel like just by doing that, you're acknowledging with yourself, like, how am I feeling? And you might stay grumpy. You might still stay with that feeling. If it's not positive. Right. Or you might be like, Oh, I got to say it out loud to everybody. And now I'm like, I did a nice little breathing exercise and now I can kind of let it go and be present in this space. And then the other thing I was going to share that I thought was interesting is I'm actually piloting this program with teachers. That's very simple where it's like a three to five minute video, three days a week. So they, they listen to a video or an audio three to five minutes per week. And then once a month we meet for an hour. So it's like, cause the biggest thing I get when I talk about doing teacher programs is, well, they don't have time. Like if you try and get them to meet, have another meeting after school, they're going to be so annoyed. So I just, one day in meditation, I was like, oh, I had the idea. I was like, oh, I know what I could do. I could just do like little short videos. And then, you know, it'll help them with practice throughout the week. And then when we meet, at, you know, monthly, we can then, so I'm piloting it with a, a school in South Dakota and it's going really well. And they're able to listen to the videos or the audio while they're driving or, you know, on a lunch break, like just in their little breaks throughout the day. And then, but those little videos and audios are helping them get clear with some of these like simple practices like we're talking about. And then we can kind of go deeper in the meeting. So to your point, there's a lot of things we can do. It, it doesn't have to be this whole large, expensive, you know, 30 day program. It can be really simple and be yeah. incorporated to their daily practice. 
Exactly. And people will feel your intention, you know, if you yes. to support them and that, that you can make that come through, that will be felt. Absolutely. All right. Well, as we wrap up here, I'd love to just hear, um, you know, are there any other things you'd want to share before we say goodbye today and anything you'd like to share, like a website or anything like that about any work you're doing? Sure. Well, I am anxious to read a new book that I just learned about this week. It's called Inner Switch okay, uh, by Susan Freeman. And she, uh, she writes about, she's been an executive coach for a long time and using her mindfulness and yoga practices, what she's learned from those with executive coaches and how it's shown up in their work and um, improved their work lives. And so I'm really curious to read her book. I think that, um, you know, there'd be a lot of through lines. Um, so yeah. that's a resource that I'm kind of keen on checking out here soon. Um, yeah, and I would just say, I think it's just, you know, meeting each day with really, truly honesty about yourself and where you are, accepting that, being okay with that um, and knowing that there are things that you can do to just start to shift it. And it's, it's not an overnight, <laughs> like, okay, I did this yesterday yeah, and now it exactly. goes so much better. Um, yeah. So just trusting the process of sticking with something as simple as really checking in with yourself and your mood and taking some slow breaths Um on a regular basis will start to yield the kind of results that you're looking for. I 100% uh, agree. And I think that's like great parting advice is just take it, be patient, patient with yourself, be compassionate, do just keep it simple. We always overcomplicate everything because we're humans. <laughs> keep it simple, start wherever feels the most comfortable. If it's just walking and looking at a flower for a minute, you know, anything that you can do to kind of just calm your busy mind and all the chaos and all that. And then I'm going to check out that inner switch book because I just recently started getting a lot of executives coming into my practice. So I'm starting to work with a lot of people that are doing, you know, in leadership positions that really want to know how can this way of living in this leadership style really help them in their, in their work. So I'm going to check that out too. But anyway, any, um, any other things you want to share like websites or anything? Are you good? I think I'm good. I mean, I would share that our school is working. Uh, one of the tools that we use is a program called Mindful Schools. Okay. And that is where a lot of our teachers have done that Mindful Self-Compassion course, which I actually think is with Kristen Neff. Um, yeah, or based on, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and the Mindful Communication. Um, the Mindfulness 101 is actually a course that is about your own practice as an okay. adult. And then Mindfulness 201 is your practice with your students. And so it's really set up just kind of how we were talking, you know, it's really important to start with the adults. And so um, I think some of our adults go into it thinking they're going to learn about their students first and they find out, nope, you're going to learn about how to do this for yourself first. And uh, it's really powerful. Awesome. Well, that I feel like there um, folks are walking away with a lot of great resources. So appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time today. It was great having this conversation with you. Great. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Education Warrior podcast. I want you to know that every guest and listener is a valued part of this co-creation. We're so honored that you listened and we hope that this helped you in some small or big way today. This is a community and a movement and without you, it wouldn't be possible. 
you want to learn more about me, you can go to davidkrichards.com where you will find special offers for podcast listening. And as always, if you're moved by an episode, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Finally, our greatest compliment is when you share an episode with someone who you believe will benefit from the message. I'm sending you so much love today and the courage to really be the mindful warrior within you. Thank you. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.